Hey everyone, welcome back to Mission Daily. I'm Chad Grills and I'm joined by Stephanie Postles. How's it going? It's going great. Happy Monday to everyone out there. Today's episode is about communism, capitalism, gasp, and technology. You can't say those words on air. I'm not supposed to, but while communism and capitalism have been ostensibly battling for the last century or more, uh, technology came along and ate everyone's lunch. So what do we mean by this? These are tough subjects to talk about. But if you're a reader of our newsletter, you'll know that we presented them recently and we had just a small essay, some food for thought to spark a larger conversation. This is that conversation. Yep. So I think a lot of this started with an event you went to, correct? At least that's how the newsletter started. So you went to an event. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, I was on a panel. We're discussing the future of the economy and politics and UBI and universal basic income and many things like that. And I just introduced the idea that how high is high for our GDP? Uh, how do we get the per capita income up? How do we get the per capita economic output up? How do we get the number of inventions per individual up? These are topics I'm really excited about because it's not about sectioning up and splitting up an existing scarce pie. That's what economics wants you to think. I think economics and politicians and Many people who don't have as much skin in the game as they should are incentivized to tell us that we should be fearful, that we should only talk about communism and capitalism, and that these are fixed concepts where you can actually have a nation state that has one of these economies. So personally, I don't subscribe to this belief. I I don't think that you can label a nation state's economy something. You can call it communistic. You can call it capitalistic. You can call it socialistic. It doesn't matter. What you call things isn't about what's going on on a day-to-day basis. That doesn't describe local events. And most importantly, it sets up this left and right divide that we don't need anymore. The world is not black and white. There are endless shades of gray. So while people get very emotional about these phrases, and rightly so, um, because there has been a lot of suffering, a lot of injustice, a lot of horrible things have happened in the last hundred years because of them, it, it's a very uh, it's like a whirlpool, right? When once you start setting, uh, what are you what are you giggling about? <laughs> Sorry, I was just thinking when you were like, "There's so many shades of gray," and I was like, 50 perhaps." I'm super immature. Continue. <laughs> no, I mean that that's uh, an important thing to talk about. I mean, she Eli James printed 80, 84, 90 million off of a self published uh, book. I know. Okay, go on. It's amazing. Um, but what's most amazing about that is. That's an example of a voluntary creation that was created by an author. She self-published it and she was able to, yeah, succeed with it. And she would not have been able to succeed if we had an economy that was too rigid, that didn't allow individuals to experiment. Or in the case of this, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, experiment with something that some people feel is radical. And It's very important that if you live inside a society or a nation that you're able to achieve economic gains by exploring your passions, your interests uh, through creating art. And one of the most interesting things I think about the U.S. economy right now is that people are ready finally to move beyond a simple debate about, yo, we should call it this. We should call it that. We should do this. We should do that. Uh, And instead create more paths and more opportunities for people to explore and get paid and then capture some of uh, that value. So, yeah. Yeah, I think I and you can tell me if this sounds wrong, but I think a lot of people are actually ready for this convergence and to stop viewing things as 
left, right, this, that. It's one or the other. Because I think I just read an interesting piece in some newsletter I'm subscribed to that said maybe a decade ago, people would watch shows and people who were considered themselves, you know, Democrats or Republicans or on one side, they would typically watch a certain kind of show and not just, you know, news shows, but actual maybe like comedy shows or reality TV shows or things like that. And then the other side would watch their kind of shows. And yep. I just saw a paper that came out that said now it's actually a lot more mixed. People aren't just watching shows based on left versus right or and I don't think they were knew they were doing that back right. in the day, but it seems like people are coming together more than they used to. Yeah, I think so. And you can get a sense of the zeitgeist, too, when we interviewed someone like Alec Baldwin and Alec started to talk about his Trump impersonation and uh, basically talked about how it was going too far and about how he was interested and open to exploring new methods of getting us to a more unified front, unified place. And this doesn't mean supporting anyone. It doesn't mean not supporting anyone. You're free to do both. It's just about the idea that it's way more fun when we can find what unites us and focus on that instead of imagining all of these things that divide us, imagining, casting blame, looking for uh, the guilty party and things. That's the whirlpool that sometimes you can't get out of. And if we look at our economy right now, so the U.S. economy is roughly uh, 19 trillion, depending on who you talk to and the GDP, the GDP. Yeah. Right. So there was a study in the Journal of Economic Growth that found that the average American household receives about two hundred and seventy seven thousand less dollars annually than it would have gotten in the absence of six decades of accumulated regulations. So a median household income of $330,000 for each household, mm -hmm. the median income. That's what we would have if we had regulations that were left at post-World War II levels. And of course, this is a valuable study made by people that have biases. Uh, if anyone tells you that they don't have biases, beware, you should run. But this is an exciting point because a $52 trillion a year economy is within our grasp. And I feel that that's something that technology is going to allow us to achieve. And it could potentially happen almost overnight. There's still about $10 trillion right now all around the world inside financial institutions that are getting negative yields. So once those sovereign wealth funds and the individuals that hold that money are open to the idea that there are much better returns than just allowing your cash to be ate up by inflation, it's, it's very possible that our economy explodes to $52 trillion in size. Got it. So what kind of technologies are you thinking or did you present at that panel that you think could increase GDP, could increase the amount of inventions per person and household income and all that? What were some of your ideas? Anything that allows us to do more with less. And unfortunately, we're at a place now where we need cultural memes more than we need technology. So we need new ideas and uh, new examples of uh, people who have been excellent capital allocators. So people that are experts at multiplying money and then returning that money to the people that gave them their initial investment. That's what we need. And we need more permission for that. We need that to be celebrated, whether it's a National Entrepreneur's Day, whether it's just maybe more of a, a bit more of a friendly culture towards those who take risks. Uh, that's what we really need right now, because another study from the Kauffman Foundation or Institute, not sure of the name, they study a bunch of different business stats and uh, they're always looking into the founding of new enterprises. And sadly, that's going down. It's not going up. 
And if we combine that with the research that Dr. Hubner did from the Naval Special Warfare Institute, uh, he found that the number of inventions per individual is falling. And we're approaching the Dark Ages level of invention per individual right now. So while we have the illusion of economic progress and while our phones keep us distracted, the real story is that individuals are not richer. Individuals are not more empowered and we could be. However, the path to get there requires embracing capital allocation through technology and it requires people to be celebrated who are the capital multipliers, not the capital hoarders. Um, there are many people that have per perfected the art of capital hoarding and hoarding is uh, dangerous, right? It, hoarding creates resentment. It creates envy. It creates confusion. And I think sadly, hoarding resources is basically all about putting the golden handcuffs on yourself to your savings. And because of that, you know, we have many Scrooges in the world right now who don't want to explore and take a small, small risk with their money and put it in the hands of trained capital allocators with a track record of multiplying money. That's the technology I'm talking about. Who's an example of a good capital allocator? Because I think about VC funds, investors, like usually the normal person can't put their money into those types of things yet. So who else could be a capital allocator that the normal consumer anyone. can access? Yeah, like anyone. a friend who's building a business? Is that an idea? Uh, so anyone that has a proven track record of multiplying investor money, basically. And that's hard to quantify. But once somebody demonstrates that they have the work to prove that to someone else and in a meaningful way, uh, the small business owner that has a great relationship with their bank that's a that's a good example. If you bank with anyone right now, I don't care if it's your personal banking or anything else, they're looking at your FICO score. They're looking at your credit score. And these are scores that are based on your ability to allocate capital. And if you feel that your skills haven't been shown through your FICO score and your credit score, which they probably aren't, you can open up a business account with your bank. And if you're good at that, if you're good at allocating capital, if you grow the capital in your account, deploy it reinvest it and your bank is going to notice and your bank is going to start sending you offers. They're going to start extending offers for credit, for loans. Um, and if they don't, you can go out and pursue these, but build your track record because if you're able to uh, return even a, a modest return on investor money, that's anything above a CD, chances are you can get another loan and then a bigger one and a bigger one and continually prove yourself with those amounts of money. They don't have to be large amounts of money. You can start with a hundred dollars. And so if you're getting a hundred dollars from someone to uh, buy something at a garage sale and then flip it on eBay to a collector for seven X that that's a seven X return. That is uh, very, very impressive. That's better than most VC funds. So people get tricked with labels and with names and they, they start thinking about, oh, I need to be a VC to do this, or I need to be a financial institution or this and that. And yeah, it's, it's good to do your homework. It's good to do research, but it's not good if you forget that if you have access to any money today or can raise any amount of money from friends or family, whether that's a hundred dollar loan to buy something to flip it, whether it's a thousand dollar loan, that's really where it starts. And that is the root of solving this challenge. Because if we have more people that walk around saying, hey, I can double your money, I can triple it, I can quadruple it, um, or once you get into ethical confident way i would say because i could see some people walking around and saying that and being they like do. Ugh, <laughs> you actually 
I'm not giving you my money. Well, most of them do. And uh, not many people know, but you know, the biggest problem VCs have is getting scammed uh, by people. And in a world where there are many unscrupulous people running around saying this, the people who have not said it yet and the people that do fear feel fearful about saying this out loud, about insinuating that they can do this or showing their track record. These people are a rarity. Yeah. They're an extreme rarity. I was going <laughs> to say, usually the quiet ones that you haven't heard from yet because they're not 120% confident that they can do it. Yeah. You might actually have to seek them out. And I know we've talked about this in the past too, with seeking out esoteric assets. Yeah. But there's people all around who are investing in things that don't seem like normal investment type of tools or like you said flipping certain things or finding value in things that no one else sees i mean that's a great place to start looking if you know your friend is working on something weird or you're working on something weird that's a good place to start and i think that's how you considered something to be an esoteric asset where the market doesn't view it maybe right now as something that has potential yeah that's a really good point any place like that where you have information that causes other people's eyes to like glass over for them to not take it seriously for them to like poo poo the idea or call it boring or like, I don't want to be in that industry. That's, that's yeah. It. That's a great place to start. Um, one of the stories that I love about this on a larger scale is the story of STEM centrics, a biotechnology company that was started a couple of years ago and it recently sold for $10.8 billion in cash and stock. And STEM centrics is working on a cancer cure. What's fascinating about how they started is the two co-founders partnered with their investor during the due diligence process to bring in a bunch of oncologists, so trained experts in the field to review the cancer drug. And so many people would think that the investors were, uh, in this case, Founders Fund. I'm super biased. They're an investor in the mission. Uh, But in this case, Founders Fund looked at the investment, brought in the oncologists. It wasn't to get the oncologists' support But what they heard from them was this is impossible and it will never work. And they heard that consistently from, I think, you know, three to four. I might be getting the small details wrong. You get the idea. But that was the signal that they were looking for is that the so-called experts in the space. Unfortunately, many of them, those folks don't have an incentive in a complete cure. Let's put it that way. And they might want a complete cure, but the incentives of their profession are not necessarily aligned with uh, a quick achieval of a cure for cancer. So this is a great example of you can run this experiment on a micro level when you're thinking about what are you going to flip? How are you going to better allocate the capital you have? How are you going to move from being a hoarder to an allocator? Uh, how are you going to move from hoarding to literally spreading the wealth around in your local circles? So I'm not either one of those two C's that we talked about. I'm not a communist. I'm not a capitalist. Um, hate labels like that. But this is an invitation to literally define yourself as more of a technology, right? Of of something that helps everyone around you do more with less. And if you're that type of person, if that's who you're striving to be, it's not going to go out of style. Which is all of our listeners as a side note. They are all technology. It's that type of mindset that is not going to go out of style in the next 10 years. Uh, You might hear Jeff Bezos continually talk about All of my plans are based around things that won't change in the next 10 years. So I have that foundation of predictability. There's going there's going to be shocks. There's going to be new technologies. There's going to be black swan events that nobody can predict. However, if you're focused on solving and accommodating and better serving the needs that are not going to change in the next 10 years, 
you're going to have the meta skill. You're going to have the ultimate meta skill that no one else has. So while the rest of the world is bickering about these pointless words, you can be just doing. And if you're the one that is doing and acquiring this meta skill, wow, I can't imagine where you're going to be in a, in a couple of years, in a decade or in two decades. And just imagine too, if you really embrace this, if you start learning about it, if you read books about capital allocation, like The Outsiders, which is excellent, we're doing an entire mini series on capital allocation soon, you're going to be empowered and literally you're going to be at the frontiers of capital allocation, technology, investing, and a new world. The new world is already here. I promise you there are so many more people offline that are just sick of arguing about politics. They don't want to talk about it anymore. They just want to fix things in their immediate world today. And there is nothing wrong with that. It's not about putting your head in the sand or, or anything like that. It's about solving what you have the power to solve today. And in your local world right now around you, there are opportunities to better allocate your capital and the capital of those you love and care about. There are opportunities to take uh, to make a personal guarantee on uh, any type of loan or credit. In fact, that's what you're doing when you acquire things on your credit card. You're giving a personal guarantee that you're going to pay that back later. And that's all being tracked. So we don't want to get to a place where we have a social scoring system like China. I think that's a nightmare and I don't want to get too political, but that's not something that's going to be a fun future. Uh, nobody likes being monitored all the time and then cited for arbitrary infractions mm -hmm. or having their banking cut off. Yeah. That's a terrifying a thing crazy. when you jail individuals who do the wrong thing on camera. Very weird, um, unless they're hurting someone else, obviously. Um, but if they have, hold the wrong political view and happen to appear on a street camera, they should not be jailed and have their bank account taken away. But we, though, on a local level can build our own local social scoring system. And while this is dystopian on a broad scale, if it's something that you're managing and the you know mega core A, B, or C isn't managing, this is empowering, right? This is a local community and this is the start of real relationships, real friendships that can survive all the ups and downs that come when you're trying to make it, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, when you're trying to make it for yourself and others. Agree. All right, so then we have a part two coming up next Monday, right? Yeah. Yeah. Part, part two, uh, we're going to talk more about capital allocation, philosophies, rants, all that good stuff. And we'll also probably tease some of the mini series that we're working on uh, because yeah, this is one of the most important topics. I think it's going to be the ultimate meta skill. It's going to replace a lot of education that uh, basically mastering this. And it's going to be what, if you have a track record of this, it's going to be an instant uh, hire with whoever you uh, apply to. Got it. All right. We will see you guys next Monday. All right. And nothing in this podcast constitutes investment advice. Please contact your local Finance financial person. advisor and attorney. This information is for fun and entertainment only. There you go. All right. That's a pretty good dis uh, that disclosure. Good. That, that was, was okay. good. All right. See you next time, everybody. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, they're a customer times five, Twilio, and Katera, who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. 
Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey, listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word, and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.